A German Christian school is taking its case against the nation's homeschool ban to the highest court in the country. Senator Sinema is blasting Joe Biden for not being ready as they prepare to end Title 42. And most Americans don't think Joe Biden is fit to serve a second term. This is Heidi St. John, and you have found me at the Off the Bench podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. It's Monday, and I'm trying a bit of an experiment today. If you're able to see this video, we're recording in two separate places, and I am coming to you from my hotel room at the Ark Encounter because tomorrow is the beginning of the homeschool experience. So I will be here all week on the heels of speaking for my friends, David and Leslie Nunnery for the Teach Them Diligently conference, which, by the way, was awesome. It was just flat out amazing. We had such great interactions with you guys. Thanks for coming out and for saying hello. It was really good to be with thousands of people and many of you brand new to homeschooling. I got to meet a lot of podcast listeners who were saying, hey, two years ago, I never would have considered myself a homeschooler. And uh, we decided last year to give it a, a shot during COVID. And what do you know? They're back and they're recognizing the freedom that homeschooling brings. And so it was wonderful to see and meet so many of you. And I'm going to just encourage you uh, to keep on pressing into the Lord, uh, because I believe that we're going to continue to see um, chaos in our government, certainly a rise in violence around the country. I believe that this is coming as a direct result of our nation's decision to just remove God from every sphere of influence in public life. And uh, as we as we consider consider what's happening around us in the culture, I'm going to remind you again, the world might be in crisis, but God's people don't need to be. And the Lord and his word are a sure foundation. So we spent quite a bit of time talking about that uh, at the Teach Some Diligent in the conference. And I spoke several times just talking to parents about the importance of knowing God's word for themselves, because you can't pass on what you don't possess. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter six said this, finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? So that you could stand against the schemes of the devil, for we don't wrestle against a flesh and blood enemy, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And we're certainly seeing that all over the country. Now, uh, just yesterday evening, seven people were killed and 11 injured in Brownsville, Texas, uh, as a car plowed over pedestrians. And I think we're going to start to see more and more of this. Uh, there was another mall shooting. And of course, the left reacts as it always does. Very little interest or care for the Christians that were targeted and shot in a small Christian school just outside of Nashville. But boy, I'll tell you, they're going to get on the subway tracks. They're going to protest this newest shooting uh, that just took place over the weekend. And it is tragic, but you know what's equally as tragic? The lack of direction in this country and the lack of moral fortitude for us to actually look deep and see what is even happening that would cause this kind of violence. And it doesn't matter if it's somebody stabbing kids uh, in a mass stabbing in Idaho or somebody mowing people over with a car in Texas or somebody uh, taking a gun into a mall and gunning down innocent people, we have a soul sickness in this country and we need to address it. 
And so I'm going to get to that in a minute, because I also think we have a crisis of courage in the country. But I want to just touch on the headlines, particularly what's happening in Germany, which is of tremendous interest to me. The Association for Decentralized Learning, which is a Christian hybrid school provider in Germany, offering both virtual and home education, have filed a lawsuit at the European Court of Human Rights after government officials refused to grant the entity approval to open new schools. So this is really important, you guys, because there are a lot of people that think, well, homeschooling is 100 uh, percent guaranteed free here in the United States. But the fact of the matter is there are thousands of people and organizations even who are absolutely targeting your ability to be able to homeschool your children. It's why I keep telling you, don't take the government money. Don't take money with shekels come shackles. And we're turning into very quickly a socialist uh, environment. I met a young couple this weekend who flew in from Paris for the Teach Them Diligently conference, uh, a young mother who married a French national, she moved from Virginia to Paris, and they're trying to homeschool their children. And guess what? It's illegal now. It's illegal in France to homeschool your kids. She said she never thought she would live to see the day when that was going to happen. And now they're applying for his green card. They want to come back to the United States so that they can homeschool their children in freedom here. And I am going to sound the alarm again. What is happening in the European Union? They're about 10 years ahead of us. What's happening in the European Union will absolutely happen here unless we take a stand against it. And we saw homeschooling become illegal in Germany several years ago. And in this particular case, German authorities didn't approve a 2014 application from the Association for Decentralized Learning because they wanted to launch a primary and secondary school. Uh, attorneys followed a lawsuit over the inaction in 2017 and then presented their case in three separate hearings. The German Constitutional Court dismissed a final domestic appeal last year. Uh, hip hip parade for the uh, Alliance Defending Freedom because they're going to enter the scene now. They're going to represent the school before the European Court of Human Rights. And their case is going to be centering around the fact that uh, that there's been a denial of recognition for what they're calling an innovative school that's simply based on Christian values. And so I, I think it's really interesting. Listen to this. Uh, the right to education includes the right to embrace innovative approaches like hybrid schooling. This was the opinion of the ADF International Director of European Advocacy. He said, by restricting this educational model, the state is violating the right of German citizens to pursue education that conforms with their convictions. When it comes to the requirement of physical presence, Germany has one of the most restrictive educational systems in the world. Of course, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look back into history and see how proud the Germans are of their education system. Uh, Hitler was very concerned with the education of youth, right? He wanted the educational uh, of their youth to belong to the Nazi party, to belong to the SS. It was Hitler who said that he alone who owns the youth owns the future. And when you see governments interfering in education, what they're really doing is saying, we want the ability to be able to train children in the way that we, the government, sees fit. And so uh, I hope ADF is successful in this. I frankly don't hold out a lot of hope for him, given the, the past that Germany has had with regard to education. I actually spoke. This was super interesting. I spoke to a German national not that many years ago, 
And she was telling me, you know, because I was sort of railing against uh, this, this uh, making homeschooling illegal. And she said, well, actually, you know, we just want our kids to be educated correctly. And we are very proud of our education system in Germany. This was a Christian mother. And she, you know, she erred on the side of the state. She was saying, listen, the state has a really good education program. We're really proud of it as Germans. But the fact remains that what they're doing is they're stripping their citizens of the right to direct the education and upbringing of their children. This is a very dangerous approach. It's dangerous when we don't stand for freedom as believers around the world with regard to parents being able to direct the upbringing and the direct and the uh, education of their children. Uh, in other news, you guys can see now that there's a massive, massive push at our southern border. Migrants are lining up there for miles and miles and miles because Title 42 is set to come to an end this week. Senator Sinema, who used to be a Democrat and now is uh, an independent, made some remarks about this during an interview with Margaret Brennan on CBS's Face the Nation. And she was talking about the crisis and the new legislation that she introduced that would act as a sort of band-aid to the issue. Brennan highlighted actions that the Biden administration says they've taken to address the situation including deploying a small number of troops to the border and creating a phone app for migrants. You guys, this is absolutely hysterical. And Kristen Cinema rightly pointed it out. She said having 1,500 troops along the U.S.-Mexico border is helpful, but it's a border that's 2,000 miles. And so 1,500 troops is not going to get the job done. That's just the reality. She said we're also very concerned that this is happening in a week or so before the rollout. And just today, she said she was on the phone with the sheriff of Cochise County. He's got no information from the Department of Homeland Security or the federal government about what the flow of migrants is going to look like. I can tell you what it's going to look like, and I'm not down at the at the border. All you got to do is look at the pictures that are coming in from the border. It's going to be an absolute nightmare down there. And uh, we need to pray for this country. The lack of leadership that we are experiencing in this nation right now and the wickedness that is coming and the stupidity. I am sorry, but it seems like anyone with common sense can see two things. A, the crisis at the border is not going to get better without there being some sort of a, of a, of a, a drawback on the flow of people trying to come into this country. And two, Joe Biden's not really in charge. He's absolutely not in charge of the country. This guy has the mental capacity of a 12-year-old. And he stumbles through his sentences. He stumbles when he's walking. He didn't go to the coronation of uh, King Charles, which I didn't, you know, to be fair, I didn't watch either. I frankly have very little interest in what's happening with the royal family now. I lost interest a long time ago in uh, Charles when his marriage with Diana sort of blew up. And then the woman he was having an affair with became uh, the Queen of England and all the things I just and then Harry and his book and the whole thing. I mean, and this is a guy who has he's just a figurehead. He has no real authority. And it kind of makes me sick to see them singing God Save the King over a guy who doesn't care one whit, at least that I can see about following God in his own personal life or having helping his country or at least being an example that his country can follow. Of course, I don't know the guy. This is just me looking from across the pond. But I, I was not impressed. And a large part of the news articles have come out, at least here in the United States, are echoing that a lot of people feel the same way. Now, that's to say nothing of the spoiled brat that is uh, Prince Harry. 
<laughs> so I didn't actually pay attention. I did pay attention, however, to the fact that Joe Biden didn't show up. He sent his wife and his granddaughter uh, instead. And I think it's because he just physically isn't up to it. And now he's announced his run for reelection, right? And a new poll that came out, what did he What did he announce his run like? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. The majority of Americans agree with me. They don't think that Joe Biden is mental, mentally or physically fit to serve a second term. The Washington Post and ABC News teamed up for a poll that said that 63% of voters don't believe the president has, quote, the mental sharpness it takes to serve effectively as president. You guys, that's, a, that's astonishing. 63%. Uh, according to the poll, 32% think he does. I think these must be the people that also are still wearing masks and uh, gloves whenever they go out of their houses. Who knows? 21% of Democrats think that the president isn't mentally sharp enough for another term, but a full 62% of voters don't think he's good enough uh, in physical health to serve effectively as president. So Biden, Joe Biden now, 80 years old. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, he's the oldest president in the history of our country. And if he was going to win re-election and serve a full second term, the dude would be 86 by the time he left office in January of 2029. And Lord only knows the kind of damage that he could do in that amount of time. It's very clear to me that our nation is not being run by Joe Biden. It's being run by the deep state, being run by the people around Joe Biden and I think that the more he he speaks in public and the the uh, the more the American people start asking questions, this narrative is going to just continue to get louder and louder and louder. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the 2024 elections. You know, we can make a pretty good case right now for the fact that Joe Biden's going to have a heck of a time winning re-election with these kinds of numbers. We've seen the RFK Jr. now has uh, mounted a run against him. I'm watching that run with some interest. I'm not going to vote for the guy because I disagree with him on a wide variety of issues. But one thing I think is interesting is that RFK Jr. took a very strong stance against the COVID lockdowns, against the mandates, against the vaccine itself. And as we're finding out now, uh, the people that stood up against the tyranny early on were correct. They were right to say, why are you forcing people to take an experimental vaccine? And the vaccine has actually done a terrible amount of damage. Uh, speaking of the scamdemic, you guys may have noticed that the World Health Organization and the Biden administration and the CDC quietly said that the scamdemic had come to an end. Uh, you guys, we can never let this happen again. What a shameful time this was. Obviously, this happened around the world, but the way that we handled this in the United States and the number of people who have been injured, I know many of them who were absolutely injured by the vaccine. And I'm not saying that, you know, the Rona doesn't exist. Listen, I got COVID and it wasn't fun, but I've also had the flu and it wasn't fun. And people die from the flu every single year, every year. 
And I think we need to take stock at who pushed it so that we, when we go to vote, and I hope you guys will vote in 2024, we pay attention. Who was pushing the vaccine? Who, uh, you know, who was behind Operation Warp Speed? Because I think that these people have discernment issues from here to when the cows come home. And I wouldn't want them in leadership anymore, honestly, just based on that. So uh, a lot of you guys are asking me already. I'm getting your questions into in Mailbox Monday with regard to my political uh, positions coming up for 2024. And listen, you know, I'm going to vote for whoever is the reflects my values as a conservative in 2024. I certainly have not made up my mind uh, in the primaries. I think it's way, way too early to be doing that. Uh, the more people that jump into the races, the better off because we've got um, we've got choices then instead of just one person. Republicans, according to a new Pew Research poll, are appearing to fare better than they were even just a couple of months ago uh, because for Americans under 30, the approval rating of the president is an abysmal 26 percent. In the 2020 election, Joe Biden received roughly 60 percent of the vote for Americans under 30. And now 26 percent of them are like, wah, 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 wah. we don't like this guy. Uh, Republicans are doing a little bit better, which shows both former President Donald Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis defeating Biden in a hypothetical matchup. According to the survey, 44 percent of Americans would definitely or probably vote for Trump in a Trump versus Biden race while 38% would vote for Biden and 18% were undivided or gave uh, a different answer. I think this uh, bodes well for there to be change in the 2024 elections, but I'm going to encourage you to do your homework. One thing, you know, my, my big, one of my big takeaways, and, and I will talk about this more as the elections get a little bit closer, but one of my big takeaways from the 2020 uh, 2022 races. And of course, I ran for Congress in Washington state, but I, I came out of that so disappointed and discouraged with the state of the Republican party, the state of the conservative movement. Uh, you guys, you shouldn't, you shouldn't need to be reminded, but I think we do need to be reminded that president Trump, while I loved his policies and certainly I supported him in 2016. I voted for him in 2020. And if he's the guy, if he makes it through the primaries, boy, howdy, I'm on the Trump train again. I'll vote for him again. But I have some pretty serious concerns, and I think we should be allowed as conservatives to raise those concerns. Now is the time to raise them. Now is the time. Now is the time to have the conversations about who we want to represent our country. And uh, I have concerns about President Trump. And when I was running, what I saw I mean, truly, you guys, up close and personal was a lack of good leadership inside the Republican Party, a lack of true conservatism. You have to remember that uh, President Trump and many people like him are not conservatives at their core. They're populists. And I, I should actually just do a whole show on the difference between conservatism and populism because they're not the same thing. And while we share some of the same values if we don't get this thing right, we're going to lose our country. And we're so close uh, to losing many of our freedoms right now. We're kind of at the jumping off place. I mean, Gavin Newsom, just a couple of days ago, they have instituted now in California, basically a hotline that if you think your neighbor's being mean and nasty and you don't like his speech, you can turn him in. 
forget the fact that his state is absolutely going over a cliff, that homelessness is out of control, that the state with one of the most uh, outrageous gun control laws in the nation has massive issues with shooting in their state. They've got joblessness, inflation's out of control. And here's Governor, you know, Governor Gavin Newsom, one of the worst governors right up there with Jay Inslee, who's just like, you know, I think we're going to make ourselves and look like really good, cool politicians. And we're going to let you guys, you know, tattle on your neighbor. Going right back to the Rona when uh, some of these sheriffs and some of these woke county commissioners opened up hotlines so that neighbor could turn a neighbor in and say, hey, I saw four cars in my neighbor's driveway for Thanksgiving and you're not supposed to have more than two. Wow. So I'm going to encourage you, you guys do your homework. This is not the time to put a stake in the ground and say, I'm absolutely going to vote for this person, or I'm absolutely not going to vote for that person. This is the time for us to do our homework. This is the time to ask the tough questions. And as things continue to move forward and they will, um, it's going to require courage. Courage is going to be required in the days to come. It takes courage to stand up, up for your convictions. It takes courage to tell the truth. It takes courage to pull your children out of these woke, disgusting indoctrination centers known as the public schools, or as I like to call them, the government schools. Uh, our children do not belong in these institutions. Christian kids do not belong in government schools. They belong at home with their parents under the instruction of a mom and dad who are following hard after Jesus Christ. And we have a school system right now, and frankly, a government that has set itself up against God. And we are either for God or we are against God. And now is the time for us to find our voices. Uh, this is the reason why we launched Faith That Speaks. Many of you guys are familiar with uh, my, my women's Bible study uh, called Mom Strong International has been rebranded to Faith That Speaks so that we could open up to any woman who's interested in studying the Bible. Right now we're going through Genesis 1 to 11. And I think I told you guys last week, I am blown away as I study the life of Noah that God uh, in his wisdom Look down and the Bible says the thoughts of men were evil all the time. And God was grieved that he created the world. And so he sees Noah and Noah, the Bible says, God considered to be righteous. Why did he consider Noah to be righteous? Well, we're studying that right now at faiththatspeaks.com. You guys can sign up for it and jump right into that study. And I hope that you will. Uh, we have an opportunity right now to be salt and light. And as Christians, that's what we're called to be in the community, to be salt and light to a generation that desperately needs Jesus. And I'm here, as I told you at the start of the show today, from my hotel room in Williamstown, Kentucky. And we're going to be talking about what it looks like to stand in defense of the faith, to be able to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And we should be doing that. We should be studying theology. We should be studying the Bible. And uh, this generation desperately needs to hear from Christians who are grounded in their faith, who know the word of God. And uh, we need to stop using the excuse of, well, that's not my gift, or it's just not my personality. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says, well, you share the gospel if it's your personality, unless, you know, unless it scares you, unless you're bashful, unless you're shy or whatever. You're an introvert, so that's not your gifting. No, we are commanded to go, therefore, into all the world, baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to be both salt and light, in this generation called to stand and speak the truth. God made them male and female in his image. We are called to tell the truth, to be representatives, as the apostle Paul said, 
uh, in Corinthians as if God were making his appeal through you to a world that is literally crying out for the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. As if God were making his appeal through you, come back to me. That is what the Lord of Heaven's armies would say. So I'm out of time for today. And I hope you guys will come back tomorrow. I'm going to find a couple different places to come to you from the ARC encounter this week. We've still got some space here at the homeschool experience. If you're thinking about coming out, come out, you guys. They got some of the best children's programming, wonderful exhibits, wonderful speakers. I will be here all week, uh, Monday through Friday. The program starts tomorrow and it goes on throughout the week. And you can find more by going to Answers in Genesis and just searching for the homeschool experience. We love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast and for putting up with me as I'm kind of traveling and coming to you from different parts of the country. And uh, like I said, I don't know if the video is going to work. If it does, you're going to see me in all my glory. I just got off the off off of the off the road, so my hair is like in a messy bun, and I'm <laughs> in my hotel room. Uh, but hopefully, this podcast has been encouraging to you. Keep your eyes on Jesus, you guys. He is the author and finisher of your faith. And one of these days, the Bible teaches us that the Lord is going to come back for his own. And so we are, we should be living for that day, living for the Lord, giving praise to him and saying, Lord, I'm here right now in 2023. What do you want me to do? What is the call on my life? God hears those prayers and he will answer them. If you guys would like to reach out to me, you know how to do it. HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, and we will get to your questions just as soon as we can. Thanks for listening, everybody. And I will see you right back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture.